How devoted are you to the content? Supremely. Well, then July 31st, Walnut Creek, Doobie Brothers, with Michael McDonald. I was going to say, he has to be there. He's going to be there. So if I buy tickets. Oh, we can OG ticket those. Right? Yeah. Do we uh do we say hey meet us in the uh meet us in the in the lawn and we can all sing along to full beliefs? <laughs> there has to be someone we had, we had a listener say, Yeah, now every time I hear that yeah. damn song, I think about Jillio. There has to be someone in the in the business who can help us get a Michael McDonald interview. Like, ah. like who's beating down the door at this point for our guy? That's a good question. I mean, I can I can call I can call a few people. I mean, I know like some people still on that side of the business. But that would make me feel good. But I would only agree I, to it. I would only agree to it if you if you ask Michael McDonald to duet with you. With me. Yes. Um, by the way, I love that you choose today to, to bring a smirking Dean Smith into the studio, smirking at me. I've been meaning I've been meaning to bring that bad boy in because father and son, um, father and son now knows the shtick. Like they know I'm looking for old stuff. So they'll occasionally message me and they're like, Hey, would this be of interest to you? And they had a stash of old UNC stuff like that Gator bowl behind you, dude. Like that's, a, that's from some point in the seventies. And I was fascinated by it because it is a Gator <laughs> dressed up. I hope they were playing Florida in UNC stuff. I don't think they were playing. I don't look. think they were playing Florida. Yes. It wasn't from the eighties. It was at some point, uh, James Gilbert, who, um, 71, they played Georgia in the Gator Bowl. That's the one. But they also played Michigan in the Gator Bowl in 79 and Arkansas in the Gator Bowl in 81. I think it's from the 70s. I think it's from the 70s. Yeah, speaking of smirking, I think the governor was smirking when he tweeted out. Anyway, Dean Smith is the only Tar Heel who did not text me last night. The only one. Let's start. Let's just, let's get into it. (laughs) Let's get into it. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Let's podcast alongside Joe Chilio. I'm Joe Ophias inside the Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Print management, document management, get to the cloud. Just like Chilio has his computer, you have your messages all in the cloud. You get dinged on your computer, you get dinged on your phone. And I guess your phone was dinging a bunch last night as North Carolina put that work in on the Demon Deacons in the second half. It's interesting. No messages in the first half. None. (laughs) Second half. Sweet baby Jesus. Maybe that's who RJ Davis was last night in the second half. That was impressive. It was honestly, number one takeaway. You know, I often ask to see the fastball. I want to see mm-hmm. what happens when the money's on the table. Yeah, 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 yeah. Carolina in the second half, 52 to 30, completely dominant. Mm-hmm. Completely, not just RJ Davis, a completely dominant team effort there in the second half. So you want to know what you want to know how good Carolina can be? You look at the second half of that basketball game. Roy Cooper. Yeah, I think he's been waiting on this one. The governor, the governor retweeted uh the podcast promotion on Twitter, which I had clipped i put a reel out there where you and i had that exchange of you saying you you would like wake's roster over north carolina's roster which we'll get to in a second yeah. 
And Roy Cooper tweeted this at what time? What is that? 1033 last night. This aged well. I think he's been waiting to get you. He's been waiting to get you, man. This this is the part of the triangle that I need newcomers to understand. Yeah. And it, it kind of ties back into Drake May making the comments two years ago about, you know, all, all state people can't get into Carolina. Right. Like, these are things that happen, right? <laughs> like these are these are often comments that that people who are fans of each school trade. Mm-hmm. And so last year, you'll recall, North Carolina was the preseason number one team in the country. They did not make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. They became the first preseason number one team since the field expanded to 64 and 85 to miss the NCAA tournament entirely. It just so happened that Duke and NC State made the tournament that year. Yeah. So I brought him uh, his very own Homer Simpson starter kit as the double Tar Heel that he is. I got him a, a Duke t-shirt and an NC State pennant. And he took it and, you know, he marked it back in the, he marked it down as any good person would do. And he paid back that marker last night. When I hit the transition music, there's a transition slide. If you're watching on yes. YouTube where I have that picture yeah. in the transition slide of he, you he, handing him the Homer Simpson outfit. He knew what was happening. Yeah, that day. He, knows the deal. he even said, you realize the internet is forever. Yes. And I said, yeah, of course it of is, course. man. Of course. It's it's part of the content minds, man. So I think there's a there's a couple conversations that can take place from last night's result. I think the 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 key takeaway is that North Carolina continues to separate itself from the rest of the ACC. Now, just how good the rest of the ACC is up for debate, which we will get into a little bit later on. But North Carolina continues to stack and build. And they're going into a stretch of games on the road that'll be even more interesting to see. Just, I think it elevates from clearly you're the best in the ACC over the next couple of weeks, starting with Florida State. It then, who's hot, elevates to, well, where are you nationally? Can you compete for a national championship? If the bracket breaks your way, can this translate into another Final Four? Right off the bat, and you said this yesterday, RJ Davis is your ACC player of the year. Yeah. He solidified that last night. Hard stop. Statement uh, game. Hard stop. Somebody, people want me to apologize. I just want to give you one number. Yeah. RJ Davis has played 120 college games. Mm-hmm. I, I apologize for not knowing that RJ Davis was going to score his career high out of 120 basketball games. I know, last right. night. Uh, but I am such yeah, an idiot. My bad. You know what, though? The, you have My a, bad. No, you have a history of UNC guards doing this to you. And I even qualified it. I know. Saying. I know. You have a, you have a history. Famous. Yeah, what? you have Where you have a history with UNC, like somewhere Kendall Marshall's going. Yeah, I remember no, Julian, Kendall yeah. Marshall does. His dad does. His dad is like that. His dad remembers. His dad remember. No, so it, I think that's. And I the, did have a member of the UNC staff text me and say thank you. <laughs> well, You're welcome, man. I, uh, let me know how else I can help, and I, I will. I saw I saw Bubba last night briefly post game, mm-hmm. and I did I did joke with him. I'm like, did you see Julio's clip? He goes, no. I'm like. And I showed it to him, and that's when I, I I saw him text you the the roster. Like, I'll take my roster, right? But I, I did joke with him. I'm like, man, it's great to see this underdog story, UNC, man. You guys have been flying under the radar. It's, it's, it's finally time that you guys get your due. And he looked at me like, wait, are you being for real right now? And I'm like, I'm being partially, I'm like partially kidding because this is where, you want people talk about keeping receipts. People want to keep the receipts on, on, on Wake Forest and what was said yesterday. But let's also keep receipts on how people were talking about UNC last year. Let's also keep receipts on how people were talking about Hubert Davis. 
not just last year, but the year before mm. when they went on their run. And I would like to have a conversation about how it was going to take Hubert Davis a little bit of time to a get his sea legs. Cause he's never coached a program like this before with, the, with those expectations. Number one, number two, there was a lot of un, untangling of to get where he wanted it to be. And where I was wrong, where I was wrong with North Carolina was I was like wholesale changes, wholesale changes. You cannot judge Hubert Davis until he truly gets his guys in. after they had bottomed out last after year. After they had bottomed out yeah. last year. And I was like, man, even even right down to Armando Baycott, for heaven's sake. But where I was wrong was it looks like it was just one guy that truly needed to get out and then hitting in the transfer you know, portal. Yeah, it's two parts of it. It's it's not and we're it, not going to be reductive here and be like, oh my God, they, no, no, get, no, no, they no. got rid of Caleb Love. No, no. It's you not only you now clarify that RJ Davis is the, the bus driver yes. of your team, not Armando Baker. And you understand that role. Yep. You also add two parts, two very important parts in Ingram and Ryan, mm -hmm. older players who fit a specific, who fit specific roles. Yeah. And they fit specific roles that the team did not have last year. But there's another player that I will continue to mention. And I think after last night, people will now start to discuss more as he has gotten more comfortable. It's yes. Elliot Cadeau. And this is where I get to Hubert Davis is your ACC coach of the year. Let's not play the game of, we didn't expect anything oh. from you. Let's give you the Seth Greenberg Memorial award. All right. <laughs> Hubert Davis is pushing all the right buttons. Yeah. And he's handling his bench correctly. And he's bringing Elliot Cadeau along in a way that, as you saw last night, is this interesting meld of what UNC basketball fans want to where it needs to be. Look, man, Steve Forbes talked about it last night in postgame. He's like, I Forbes was very zen about last night. He's like, I knew exactly what we could not do against North Carolina. And we still found ourselves doing that exact thing. And that was being sped up. But it's not just being sped up. Everybody talks about the break and they're moving up and down. But where Cadeau really unlocks things is that when things do have to slow down, he can then use his speed. He can get to the basket or he can make some incredible yeah. passes. He's been very entertaining to watch. I'll say again, because I said it when Cadeau was struggling. I'll say it again now. Yeah, I think it's an unbelievable asset to have Marcus Page on their staff as yeah. a, as a similarly built player who came into a situation under Roy Williams and struggled out of the gate and went through and figured it out on the fly because mm -hmm. it's not an easy position to play in North Carolina. So that's an unbelievable asset for them to have. And, and you're starting to see the luxury of having those other pieces being in place and be able to win games without Cadeau uh, for Carolina to win the national championship. Cadeau needs to play like he did in the second half yes. though of last night. They can't just be RJ Davis. And I just want to say one thing about the, the crowd last night and you were there. Mm -hmm. The Smith center is the loudest building I've been to in college basketball. Okay. Yeah. Now it might have to be the Duke game, yeah. but it is, it gets very loud in mm -hmm. there gets and people confuse, it's, an under, it's an underrated building. people confuse what it means to have 20,000 people in a space as opposed to nine mm -hmm. why they confuse that i don't know also the other thing about that building is that there's a gigantic gaping hole at the, the top <laughs> but i i thought when it was 41 41 yeah and, and, and the heels bang two threes mm -hmm. i thought the crowd made a difference in that run mm -hmm. so that was good and i also thought to kind of settle an old score that you and i have often talked about Back when, you know, Carleek Jones was from Radford and being the ACC player of the year. <laughs> and we would talk. This is before we did a radio. Like, 
how the hell is a kid from Radford, the ACC player of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And you would say, if you can play, you can play. Mm-hmm. We got to get over this whole Radford transfer thing. Mm-hmm. We got to get over like the Drexel transfer. Well, look at DJ Burns. We've got to get over uh, Wofford winning a championship at with Virginia Tech's uniforms on. Yes. Right? But there's the but. I thought Boopy Miller, this, the one of the players I had mentioned yesterday for uh, Wake Forest, who's been really, really good this year, by the way. Yeah. He's only had two games where he scored in single digits. Mm-hmm. One of them was last night. I thought he looked like a guy who transferred from the Mac last night. I thought the moment was was a bit too big for him in the second half of that basketball game. It's been a consistent issue for Boopy Miller on the road, actually. When you look at so, their when you look at their marquee games that they've had to win on the road, including NC State, Boopy yeah. Miller has been it's it's been a tough transition for him. But it's funny you mentioned Wake Forest because I think ultimately, in talking with some people, if you watch Wake, that's a good squad. It's a good squad that's gotten pieces late, as we talked about yesterday. And if they can, look with Monsanto, right? If they can get him up to speed sooner than later, that is a squad that if they get things right, could have a nice run in the ACC tournament, could have a nice run in the NCAA tournament. If, this is a big if, if they make it. And I think that's probably, I know, I, I can't find the tweet. And you and I saw the same one and I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Cam or somebody else. Uh, that covers Wake Forest, but they made this point of you can tell people just don't watch Wake Forest play. And if that was your first introduction to watching Wake Forest play and you saw that second half, the immediate reaction is going to be like, well, they're clearly frauds. You're an idiot, Julio. This this is stupid. (laughs) And, you know, they're not any good. No, that's a good team. And UNC understood they were a good team. (laughs) And they had pieces that would give North Carolina some problems like Efton Reed and length with Armando Baycott. Those are legitimate concerns for North Carolina, but North Carolina did a good job defensively and obviously hitting big shots, but Wake's a good team, man. At halftime, Seth Greenberg. Now Wake Forest was winning by one. Yeah. He said he went a step further than even I did, but he qualified it the right way. Mm -hmm. He said that one through five Wake has the best lineup, the best scoring lineup in the country. Okay. Scoring. Okay. That's what I should have said yesterday. Scoring. Yeah. But because that what what I so again to talk to all of the Carolina fans here, I'm not apologizing for anything. I didn't denigrate anybody. All I pointed out well, uh, the only person I who should be mad is Armando Baycott. He didn't exactly go out and outplay Efton Reed, who I didn't realize he had any kind of background with. So that was kind of cool to see. Um, all I was pointing out that Wake Forest has guys who can really, really play. They didn't play well. Miller. Had his one of two bad games on the year. I, you know, Carr ended up with 14 points, but he was somewhat of a non-factor in the game. Mm-hmm. Hildreth, I was disappointed in his compete. You know, if you're Steve Forbes and you say he was in last night, you're mad right now. I think he behind the scenes, you're mad, mad because but. this was your, the last, you're mad for two reasons. Number one, you blew Carolina out two years ago and you were not rewarded for it. Yeah. Okay. And now on selection Sunday, they could look at this and be like, well, you got blown up by See, Carolina. That's, <laughs> that's the thing that bothers me the most. And I think that's to, to kind of advance this conversation. Uh, Connor O'Neill, who covers Wake Forest and Duke uh, pointed this out. I know what has to happen. I don't know what has to happen for this league's perception to change. 20-game league schedule sucks, but TV and Westward expansion mean that it's here to stay. Maybe everybody should just schedule Ken Palm 250-plus teams for 7 to 10 non-conference games, blow them out, profit, basically the Iowa State, State model. model, right? And, and and that gets to my ultimate point. People will watch that game and they'll come away and say, oh, well, Wake's not good. No, Wake's got 
dudes, weight scot pieces. And they're theoretically, they're going to get better as these pieces have come on late. It gets to the point that I've been preaching I the last couple of what years. What is it, 11 games that they've played with, with Reed? Right, 12. So, so it's one of those things that I've been preaching for the last couple of years. You cannot properly judge these teams in November and December and even in early parts of January as you see more pieces coming on. And if they can get things right, Wake can be a dangerous team. But as Luke pointed out, the problem with the perception in the ACC comes down to simple record in those early non-conference games. Record in Ken Palm A, basically top 50 adjusted for, for location non-conference games. The ACC is 10 and 30 whereas the other conferences have a much better winning percentage. For instance, the Big East is 12 and 15. The Big 12 is 13 and 17. The Pac-12 is 9 and 24. Again, those are better winning percentages. And those are the types of numbers that get fed into the net metrics, and that's what ultimately feeds bad numbers in conference play, and you're just kind of beating up on each other in that regard. And I wish the committee would actually get a better sense of what you were versus what you are now. And until that happens, you're still going to beat your head against the wall with these net metrics and trying to get over the hump with the perception. There is a larger conversation to be had, a theory that I have when it comes to the ACC that you can scrap the numbers all together. And I think it has to do with the way the media landscape has been decimated and your usual stalwarts of industry no longer exist, which has opened the door for other independent outlets. I mean, we're included in this to kind of take the conversation about college basketball back from the ACC and more towards not niche, but underrepresented teams that truly, truly care about stuff. And you feed that beast and the ACC has a lack of give a shit in the grand scheme of things outside well, of North Carolina, outside of state, outside of Duke. We're also very numbers driven now. Yes. All of us are. And it's because of Ken Palm. It's because of the RPI. It's because of Bart Torvik. It's because of the net, which is supposed to be an amalgamation of, of all of those things. Mm-hmm. And we're also numbers driven that we don't really pay attention to the game. No, we don't. We just we, look, at, we the look at the results yep. and we look at the efficiency numbers and we go, Oh, well that team must be good. Mm-hmm. And the problem for the ACC is they don't have the... We saw this last year. And I kept banging the drum about Carolina last year. The real problem for Carolina last year was they didn't have anything out of the league. No. And you look at it this year, Carolina has some good wins. Duke has some good wins. Uh, Virginia and Virginia Tech actually have some good wins. Miami and Clemson actually have some good results. But we don't want to talk about the good results with those teams. The only thing we hear about from... Miami is, oh, well, they got blown out by Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've i got news for you for the second day in a row. Kentucky does have the best roster they, in the they, country. They do. So, yeah. And, they, like, just, and they just added again. And they added another. Like, <laughs> what, what shame? <laughs> what shame is there? I, that's the part I'm not really catching. There's a little bit and of then a... We want to do it both ways. Like, Clemson goes out and wins games out of the league, and now they're, like, lose to other teams that are pretty good in the ACC. And it's like, oh, well, they suck. No, no, they don't. Suck. They don't. Yeah. It's not with these you other that. teams just aren't bad. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on housekeeping. That. Tecmo Super Bowl tournament. We are ju- we're a few. We're basically a week and a half away from the Tecmo Bowl Super Bowl tournament. Uh, by all means, email us vogoesdigital at gmail.com. We're going to be at Shady's in Garner. It's going to be a good time. Twenty five bucks to enter cash prize to the winner. Um, I have to make sure my Nintendo is working. That's actually on my list of things to do this week. Yes. And it should be a good time. So by all means, emails, vogoesdigital at gmail.com. 
You can also check out breakingtea.com slash OG to get some OG merch. Our friends at Breaking Tea literally put it in the Louvre. They put the Blake Hinson shirt. They've got Blake Hinson standing up, looking over the Cameron crazies, and they basically made it look like a piece of art. Now, if you're inter- if you're like the one weird pit fan who watches our show on a consistent basis and you want to get a piece of this, click on the referral link that's in our YouTube page. Click on the referral link that's in our podcast summary. That'll take you to Breaking Tea. Look up that pit shirt. And uh, obviously, we get a cut. They got a bunch of other great stuff, too. So be on the lookout for that. Also, be on the lookout for some Breeze Through from fun. We've been talking to our friends over at Breeze Through about some things to do later on in the year. Like, we need an anniversary party, Joe. Yes, we do. They got a food truck at Breeze Through. They got everything at Breeze Through. They really do. They got everything like they should be acknowledged at this point. I agree. I agree. Well, we got to do the McDee's through. Yeah, we got to talk. I think I feel like we have to talk Adam into that one. There's probably some like yeah. town of carry regulations yeah, and rules yeah, that might, might prevent be, us. From... There might be a little bit of that. So breeze through locations across the triangle, locations across North Carolina. Go check them out. Drink their coffee. It's really, really good too. And of course, big thanks to our friends at Whitaker and Hamer. They're going to help us with that Tech Mobile tournament and they can help you with legal needs. Check them out. WH.lawyer. Again, that's WH.lawyer. Joining us on the Easter Automotive Group Hotline, our friend Julian Council, Locked On Panthers Podcast. Julian, I, we're here to talk about the Panthers, but I know you were feeling that last night with the Tar Heels. Oh, <laughs> well, I wasn't going to bring it up. I, I did uh, raise my eyebrow yesterday when I was watching your show and Julio talked about how he would rather have Wake's roster. And I understood where he was coming from because they are an exciting bunch. They had just hit 18 threes. I do think Steve Forbes has a really good team. And I genuinely hope that Wake goes to the tournament. I think it's more fun when the big four in North Carolina are all good. And Wake has been a laughing stock for a long time now. Yeah. So I've enjoyed watching the team. But that's a tough, uh, tough for your boy to say that the same day they get a chapel and lose by 21 points. <laughs> that's tough. Speaking of uh, speaking of laughing stocks, the, the Carolina Panthers have been a laughing stock uh, now under David Tepper. And get the news yes. that Dan Morgan is going to be elevated to the general manager role. And I find the reaction to Dan Morgan's hiring as general manager to be interesting. Now this I'll, I'll admit that I could be guilty of being too extremely online, but there's this business of like, well, he's a Scott Fitterer guy. So therefore it's just an extension of Scott Fitterer. What do we do? Why did they even hire a search firm? And it's like, Colleges do that crap all the time. Basically, those search firms are stealing money. The three of us should should get into the search firm business. I I like, I can see the thought behind the hire. I ultimately like the hire of Dan Morgan, and that will only be crystallized based on what Tepper does with the rest of the front office this offseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, from the beginning, I felt like the search firm whole deal is obviously a grift. And I agree. If you guys want to go in on a search firm, I'm ready to go. Whenever Mac Brown retires, Carolina, go ahead, throw us some money. I'll give you a list of names of obvious candidates that you should try to hire. And then candidates that you might actually have a chance at hiring. Um, but as far as like 
the whole deal goes. I felt like going to the offseason, a lot of the search firm aspect of this was about optics. Mm-hmm. Optics that David Tepper was willing to listen to other parties and that he was going to take a step back. And it was mentioned in his search for a new soccer coach for Charlotte FC that he used a sport search firm, which would make sense. Soccer is a global game. You have a mass amount of people you could actually hire to be an MLS head coach. Now, when it comes to the NFL, I know that the games are played overseas, but let's be honest, it's a domestic game here in America Mm -hmm. and your talent pool. It doesn't really stretch that far, especially looking at the failures of recent college coaches. So the hope was that maybe David Tepper would be willing to listen to this search for him. But I told people from from the very, very beginning, David Tepper is going to do what he wants to do. Hiring a search firm, that may be all well and good on the surface, makes you think that he's going to change his ways, but he's going to hire someone that he's comfortable with. And Hiring Dan Morgan shows that he's comfortable with Dan Morgan and understands that Dan Morgan was on board with moving up to get Bryce Young. So you had to find somebody that wanted to have Bryce Young as their quarterback. And I felt like that was a pro and a con of the job that you have Bryce Young, someone who was highly thought of by the league less than a year ago. I understand how things worked out this fall with CJ Stroud and with Bryce, your reverse situations. Are they different? I have no idea. You were thinking that probably Stroud would struggle like Bryce Young did. Would it be at the same level? No idea. But you had to find somebody that wanted to work with Bryce Young. And then vice versa, it might make the job difficult because people might look at Bryce Young, look at his struggles, and not want the job. So on the surface, looking at Dan Morgan by itself, it's not the most inspiring hire, but it feels like they're going to do a couple more things to restructure Mm -hmm. the front office that will get people a little bit more on board with Dan Morgan being here in the president of football operations and general manager role. I will not be surprised if we it comes to light that David Tepper actually had a conversation with our friend Tom Dundon on this topic. I would not be surprised. Hmm, okay. Because Morgan was in a, a player, revered player mm-hmm. in the franchise, right? And was working for somebody else, just as Rod Brandemore was. And Dundon had to be kind of convinced that Rod would have his own ideas and do his own thing. And I think at this point, the smartest thing David Tepper could do is take advice from Tom Dunn. That's what I think. Well, I've heard the hockey team is doing well. I don't pay attention to the NHL anymore. But Tom Dunn seems to, I, I suppose, have a good head on his shoulder. The, the hockey team is relevant out there in Raleigh mm-hmm. after it feels like what a decade of not being relevant in the NHL. I, I think he should be talking to as many people as possible, some successful owners. You would have thought coming from Pittsburgh with the Rooney family and the success that organization has had that he possibly would take some of the trends that they have used over the last decades. But we saw that Jimmy Haslam didn't do that when he went to Cleveland. So that clearly has not happened here in Carolina. It it is interesting. Dan Morgan is his own man. Right. I understand that he worked with Scott Fitterer, but he also worked under Brandon Bean in Buffalo. And Brandon Bean has done a terrific job with that team. And he, of course, was here in Carolina. So it's not like he's the exact same person as Scott Fitter and having a football background, having played the game, he's going to see things differently than Scott is. I'm just curious. He was running the scouting department. How much of that is going to change now? They have not mm-hmm. done a job in the draft. They have not done a great job in evaluating free agents. And truthfully, until that changes, and of course, David Tepper being arms linked away, I don't know what exactly people should expect out of this organization. But I do think people should give Dan Morgan a chance. Just looking at it as one move, it's not the most inspiring considering he's been here through the 14 and 37 the last three years with Scott Fitter as a general manager that yielded the worst roster in the NFL this past season. How, how much do you actually assign to Scott Fitter? 
I don't assign. It's a tough question. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I don't know the answer. I just I don't think Scott Fitterer was the man behind the curtain over there. I just don't. No, I and I've had this conversation with my listeners as many times as possible. Try not to come off as a, an apologist. There are so many quotes you can pull. Frank Reich talked about that he wanted to work with DJ Chark for years. Yes. Clearly, that was not a Scott Fitter move. Now, Scott Fitter gave him the money. Now, it was only $7 million for one year. It's not like he went out there and signed him for a three-year, $21 million deal like with Hayden Hurst or with a Miles Sanders. Speaking of Miles Sanders, a running back, the only <laughs> running back to get a big deal this offseason. Yep. Why is that? Because Deuce Staley was here as the assistant head coach. The Panthers have continued to talk about how this is a collaborative effort when it comes to bringing in players, which might be part of the problem. It's possible that you just need one singular voice there in the front office to put their foot down and say, no, this is what we're going to do. I'm not interested in having a player who's traveled up to three different teams and a player like Hayden Hurst who just can't seem to stick anywhere, even though he had a career year in Cincinnati. Let's get guys that can fit the scheme that you want, but also players that make sense and fit our scouting mold. I don't think it's all been in Scott Bitter. David Tepper clearly is an yeah. active participant in what's gone on. The Robbie Anderson Matt deal, Rule. that has to be yeah. Matt Rule. Like Frankie Louvu, people want to assign that to a shrewd move by Scott Bitter. Actually, it was Phil Snow, the former Panthers defensive coordinator, who was watching film on Sam Darnold in the Jets, who discovered Frankie Louvu and felt like, oh, he could fit in our mm -hmm. defense as a backup and he could help us in special teams. That wasn't Scott Bitter. There are some moves that were, but I can't blame or really assign praise to the majority of things that have happened yeah. here in Carolina. It's just, he's a fall guy. It's a, well, to me, it's a, it's a binary conversation when it doesn't need to be. And I, I, I want to be, and I, look, it could blow up in my face as it relates to being somewhat optimistic about David Tepper learning. Okay. Like you can't, you cannot get to where you are in life and be so stubborn that you don't kind of change. So in a lot of ways, the moves have always made sense. It made sense to fire Matt Rule. They should have done it earlier. It made sense if you truly believe Bryce Young is the pick. He is the guy. Well, then you have to get rid of the head coach that is not helping his development. So firing Frank Reich when they did made sense. Just jettison that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, okay, if you're incrementally learning where you need to be and you you surrounded yourself with a bunch of football people, but then you found out, well, that's too many voices. So I'm really curious. And we'll and we'll get out of here on this because I know you got to get to work. Um, if David Tepper looks at what's going on at San Francisco, right, where you know John Lynch, former player evaluator, but there's a buffer there. I know yeah. Joe Person wrote about this too at the Athletic. If that's the direction David Tepper is going in, then I'm actually optimistic about things going right. The issue is, and this is a point that Gilio likes to point out all the time. The Panthers need this fast forward button. The problem with going fast forward is that there are so, and Mike Kay's made this point from the Charlotte Observer, there are so many compounded mistakes that the Panthers have made through these two uh, regimes that it doesn't matter who the GM is. It doesn't matter who the coach is. There's a lot of untangling of mistakes they're going to have to work through to be competitive again in the NFC South. Oh, absolutely. And the good thing is you are in the NFC South. That still is in flux. I suppose Baker Mayfield's going to stay in Tampa for at least another season. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh, whoever takes the job in Atlanta is going to have to find a quarterback. It's New Orleans, same kind of situation there. Is they, are they going to stick with Derek Carr? The fact there's not a quarterback in this division. If this was the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes and you're screwed, like you're just, <laughs> it's just not going to work out for you at any point in time. Same case if you were in the AFC East with Josh yeah. Allen 
and Tua forever, however you want to feel about Tua Tungabailoa, this team has been the playoffs back back years. Like you're not in a good situation. Like this is still a division where they're trying to figure out which head coach is going to stick around for a long term. Because Todd Bowles, who knows, he could be on a chopping block next season if things <laughs> don't go right. So the Panthers at least have that going for them. I do like the reporting and the idea that they're going to have that. I guess, intermediary as an EVP of football mm-hmm. operations, senior vice president, however they're going to title it. And it sounds like the Brant Tillis from Kansas City is the lead to get that job. And that will be something I think that will get fans excited about the potential roster building. But this is not going to be a build that happens this offseason. And this team turns around and wins 11 games next year. There's a lot of questions with the offensive line. All five of the rejected starters going to the season are under contract. And people talk about, oh, just move Ike Kwanu into guard okay well who are you going to get at tackle you don't have a first round pick are you going to use pick 33 on a left tackle you've tried to get a second round pick at tackle before greg little that didn't work out you tried to go out there and go bargain hunting and get a left tackle for agency russell kung that didn't work out byron bell nate chandler mike rimmers um then blindside michael Orr. they spent a decade trying to find left tackle so yeah go ahead move icky aquanu in and that solves everything what do you do if austin corbett who, when healthy, right, is right. your best offensive lineman, arguably, with Taylor Moten. He's under contract, but then he's coming off of back-to-back major knee surgeries. Brady Christensen, it's not as simple. you got to figure out the offensive line. You have no weapons. And people talk about getting T. Higgins or Calvin Ridley or Michael Pittman Jr. If the Colts, the Jags, and the Bengals are smart, respectively, they're not going to let those guys just walk in free agency. The Jags are already going to lose a pick anyways. I would think they would tag them and potentially trade them. You got to figure out what to do with Brian Burns. And if you have to tag them, you only have $30 million salary cap, according to overthecap.com. That immediately goes back to $9 million before making any other moves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a bill. It's a good step in the right direction to have a Brant Tillis to handle something like the salary cap and contracts and to be – directly reporting to David Tepper to space out personnel and allow Dan Morgan and I assume Adrian Wilson and Cole Spencer as they've been sitting in on some of those coaching interviews as well in that department. I question whether that should also completely be wiped away below Dan Morgan, but does not appear to be the case. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be a long build. Absolutely. It, no matter who took the job, it was going to take some time to get this roster to the point where it could be consistently competitive. And that's what David Tepper talked about, having sustained success. Yeah, well, right now, I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. Who's going to be the coach? <laughs> well, it's not going to be Brian Callahan. We know no, that. No, it's not going to be that. It's probably not, not going to be Ben Johnson. So, well, that's And that was the thing, too. They're going to have to wait for yeah, they are. Ben Johnson and for Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive offensive coordinator and defense coordinator, respectively. I was always curious because Brian Callahan is supposed to interview on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Brian Callahan, as we've seen, clearly was not going to be available for them by next week. If Ben Johnson is truly who they want, okay, you're going to be running the risk of potentially losing out on Raheem Morris. I think a Jero Vero will still be there. I don't, I feel like Seattle's probably going Dan Quinn, right? And in Atlanta, it seems like maybe Bill Belichick. Maybe. Um, I mean, how maybe. many interviews do you need with Bill Belichick at this point? <laughs> uh, who knows what they're trying <laughs> to do there. <laughs> also, why have the Panthers not contacted Bill Belichick? Why have the Panthers not contacted Jim? Well, they probably don't want. They probably Well, don't. hold on. I, no, I do credit on. David Tepper here. He told us when he fired Frank Reich. Didn't say why you fired Frank Reich. We still don't know why Matt was uh, fired, true. by the way. We've too. had a speculation. He, he, he did say that he wanted a coach to be here for the next 20-something years that yeah. would eulogize him at his funeral. 
I don't know if Bill Belichick is going to last 20 years as a head no, coach. So no. it's the step in the right direction. He's actually pre, uh, doing he's what he's doing. Through. He's following through, Julian. Show All him right, the man. shirt. Show him the shirt. What shirt? Your shirt. What? Dude, positive vibes only. Yeah, see? Positive vibes only, man. That's what it's all yeah. about. All right, Julian. We appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you later. All right. No, we're not getting out of here on some hate. It's too early for that. No. I didn't know if we were going. No, 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 no. We're not going to do it in order. Um, but I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's let's do a segment in between Council and Carter. But between now and Carter, we can do Hey Joe. So let me do this again. Big thanks to Julian Council for hanging out with us. And big thanks to Homefield for sponsoring Ovi's and Jillio. Check them out online, homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code OG23 to save 15% off your order, Joe. Comfortable hoodies, comfortable shirts, jackets. It's cold right now. It is. You would look good in a bomber jacket. Do you think they can make an OG bomber jacket? I don't see why not. I'm going to email them, see if we can actually come up with a customized OG bomber jacket. We would uh, then uh, probably argue over the design, but eh, that's fine. We could do that. Look, as long as it has like piping on it, I don't care. You oh, know, like yeah, the yeah. sleeve piping yes. and all that kind of stuff. That's all I care about. <laughs> you want to come up with the logo, we can come up with the logo. I just care that it's satin and it's got the piping. That's all I care about. Uh, so use that promo code OG23 to save 15% off your order. And speaking of being you know, smart with your money, Hometown Realty, uh, when it comes to buying a house, this is, this is crucial right now. You have to be aware of where the market is. And this is where the experts come into play. You like to say you don't know what you don't know? Well, Hometown Realty can help you on the idea of, well, new construction versus buying an existing home. What kind of ex- incentives exist? What about the interest rates? Hometown Realty comes through. Yeah, you know where the market's going and there's going to be a frenzy and you want to be ahead of it. Best thing to do is go to myhtr.com. Six locations, more than 250 agents. They got to be pretty good at what they're doing. Can't You can't be that big and that smart without knowing what you're doing. So check them out. It's myhtr.com. So you bought a house. Maybe you have a car. You're also looking, you're looking to save some more money. State Farm. Matt Davis at State Farm can help you out. Give him a call directly. An actual human picks up. 919-779-8277. VOGinsurance.com or insuregarner.com. Yeah, save yourself some money or at least give yourself a chance to save some money. Give Matt a call, 919-779-8277 or go to the OGinsurance.com. We're moving on. So to stick on the NFL train, you know, we had our thoughts on what we saw out of the divisional rounds. You and I had our continued conversation about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and Tyree Kill and, and everything else. And I was... If only. If only, right? They'd go back to back. <laughs> then I'll finally That's move on. Them. Well, I had I had a couple people ask me, like, how many times is Julio going to go back to the well on Tyree Kill and be wrong about it, right? I was like, dude, that's his that's his white whale, man. Like he's going after it. Good for him, right? Certain hills you have to die on. 
Mine's, but, mine's Tariq. And, and yesterday, <laughs> I, I did bring up yesterday, there's, there's a couple of things going on here. One of them is that we are desirous for the Buffalo Bills to be successful or to experience joy. Right. Uh, one of our listeners, James, pointed out like, yeah, you made a good point about how we talk and feel about the Cowboys versus the Bills. Now, again, the Bills never won a Super Bowl during that run. They did get to four Super Bowls in a row, which is really freaking impressive. But the Cowboys have been a laughing stock for the better part of 30 years. And the fact that I've, I've actually said this about the Dallas Cowboys fans that still exist today, people like to knock Dallas Cowboys fans as though they're some sort of front runners. No, they're not. Why, why, why would you stick with that team? It's like the people who still root for the Jets. Like, why do you still ride for that? You don't have to root for the Jets. There's no rule that says it. So why do you keep setting yourself up for the Dallas Cowboys, right? I was listening to I was listening to Bomani Jones on the way to Chapel Hill yesterday. And like typical typical with Bomani, he's able to crystallize my half-baked thoughts that I typically have on the podcast because he's way smarter than me. And when we were talking about this bizarre need to act as though Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the league, and that we're elevating other guys or we're trying to position them, for instance, they were trying to act like in the pregame, that this was some sort of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning part two between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. No, absolutely not. And if you wanted to take that analogy even further, what exactly did Peyton, if we're doing the one for one, like as if these are starting pitchers, dueling, which is not what the NFL is about, but whatever, you want to engage in this conversation, fine. Let's engage in this conversation. How many times did Peyton Manning beat Tom Brady, Joe? Two or three, maybe? Not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. Because I mean, in the playoffs. In the I'm playoffs. Yeah. In the playoffs. And it really, it was a Bill Belichick special oftentimes. Yeah. Um, in making sure that Peyton Manning was not going to advance. All right. So that rivalry was decided. Tom Brady won it decidedly. Yeah. Okay. Just in the same way that I'm not quite sure what sort of rivalry exists between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. It's been won decidedly. And Bomani made this point that I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is Tiger Woods when Tiger Woods was at his peak. There's nobody like him. There's Patrick Mahomes and everybody else, but the business has to continue. The content has to be made. We have to have the debates. So we elevate guys. And this is, this is right. This is in your alley, man. Cause when Tiger Woods, some of you might be too young to remember this. I was certainly of the age to remember this stuff where Tiger was positioned with another guy that was going to challenge him. There was David Duvall. There was Sergio Garcia. And then Bomani made the point. Oh, never forget those Nike commercials where they positioned Duvall as though he was the guy that was going to go toe-to-toe with Tiger. I remember those commercials. He goes, Josh Allen is Phil Mickelson. I was like, damn it. He's right. Josh Allen is Phil Mickelson. Not to say, like, Phil Mickelson's great. Right. He's in a, he's in a Hall of Fame. I don't think Josh Allen's going to go live for, go uh, leave for live, but, you know, that's another conversation altogether. But, we all recognize that as good as Phil is, he's not Tiger. He's not Tiger. Yeah. So at what point do we finally do the same thing here with there's Patrick Mahomes and everybody else? And on top of that, to your point about Tyree Kill, shouldn't more teams be like the Kansas City Chiefs that recognize we got this dude? We got this dude. And we're going to have this dude for a while. So why would we act as though Patrick Mahomes is done next season? Why would we act as though? Our run has to end. We have to sell out as though we're the Rams. Let's move on from Tyreek Hill. Let's get younger. Let's balance the cap. 
Let's work with this to keep this thing going and find different ways to win while we still have Patrick Mahomes, who, as I mentioned yesterday, I think we can all agree, isn't going to make mistakes. He's going to step up when needed. And they could very well beat another Super Bowl. They're they're going to have different phases when you have a quarterback like that. Brett Favre, Brady. Tom Brady's a prime Aaron example. Rogers. You know, you've seen Peyton Manning mm-hmm. had to go to a different team. They have his second phase. Um, but I, I just, I look at it like there'll be different phases. That right now, I think while we're comparing Patrick Mahomes to Patrick Mahomes' standard. Mm-hmm. And this year, and even last year, he it wasn't, oh my God, here's the greatest show on turf. Oh my God, look at this amazing play that he just made. It was more of a, the defense is really good. He didn't make any mistakes. Andy Reid completely and totally flummoxed the Philadelphia defensive staff, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, all of those things happen, they win, and we kind of overlook the fact that, oh yeah, well no, somebody had to extend the drive. Somebody had to make a great throw. Somebody didn't make mistakes. Yes. And we get seduced by the way we get seduced first of all with Josh Allen being like, Oh my God, this story of Buffalo. I think the Buffalo story and, and, and obviously there's, there's racial undertones there. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the, well, Buff- no, 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 you just can't, you just can't gloss over that because you're absolutely right. When you look at the landscape of the NFL, the quarterback is the face of every franchise. They are the stars. Look across the oh, NFL yeah. and who are the stars right now? For sure. I think with Buffalo, though, you even have a, more of an overarching story to your point and maybe your frustration with Buffalo. We did this with the Boston Red Sox. When will they ever win? Yes. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it be so awesome if they won? They won. And then they did it like three more times. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Cubs, they've never won. They won. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it be so amazing? They won. Then what? So what do we have left? You Cleveland caught, you caught your tail. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Cleveland. Oh, right. Yeah. We got LeBron in 16. So now all of a sudden that kind of counts for all of Cleveland. It right? does. It does. And so now we're looking and we're looking. Nobody feels bad for San Diego, even though they've never won anything ever. Mm-hmm. And then they lost their football team. But San Diego would have been one where you're like, man, those hard luck chargers. Mm-hmm. But nobody feels bad for them because they live in the best part of the whole country. Well, I think you're missing. I think you're glossing over the one that's it's right there in front of us right now. Detroit. Yeah. You know, Detroit's Detroit's football history is miserable. And the Lions, been, yeah, are are brutal. But they're one game away from getting the Super if Bowl. If you're collectively going on success. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the the Pistons, while they are not very good right now, yeah, I was gonna say, have had you've, moments. You've had the, the Tigers, Red Wings, the Tigers. Had, the Red Wings, heck, have won. I know. Have won a bunch. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Buffalo is miserable. Buffalo has nothing. Yes. Oh, they, again, they have wings and that's it. Do do I need to? And the anchor bar closes at like 10. I've told this story before, but it's worth bringing up again because it's relevant to the conversation about how people just feel bad for Buffalo and they just want something, anything to see if they can feel good about it. When the Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup in 2006, Kevin Adams, who's from Buffalo, yeah. had his day with the Stanley Cup. And Kevin once told us, you know, oh, man, how'd it go? Oh, it was great. You know, my day with the Cup was awesome. Took it back up to Buffalo. I mean, Kevin Adams is now yeah. heading up the Buffalo Sabres. And he had one guy tell him, it's like, yeah, man, it's great that you won. But, like, wasn't there a part of you? Wasn't there a part of you that kind of felt bad? Like, wouldn't it have been cool if, like, the, if, like, the Sabres had beaten you and won at all? And Kevin's like, no, no. <laughs> my name's on the cup. No, but that's the mindset, right? That's the mindset that exists. 
So that pretty sure Kevin had a broken foot that year too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he played with something. He played with. Well, they all do. I mean, they all. No, but, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, if I remember correctly, he was pretty bad off. But yeah, that's that's probably all. This is kind of bubbled to the surface with how we've talked about Buffalo going forward. If Buffalo wants to get serious about winning a title, though, the one thing that I am curious about is how they handle Sean McDermott going forward. What do they do with Joe Brady, who was elevated to offensive coordinator, which by the way, Josh Allen said, I'd like Joe Brady to be my offensive coordinator because if you don't subscribe to go long, go long is a newsletter that Tyler Dunn writes Dunn, You might that this, this name might sound familiar because he was the guy who did a deep dive on the Buffalo bills. And the story went viral where Sean McDermott invoked 9-11 9-11 and not in the way that oh. you think you should invoke 9-11 because the terrorists he, were organized right he went full you gotta hand it to him and no 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 you never have to hand it to him okay so he did that and that's the story that went viral but in part three of that story part three of that story i don't have it in front of me so i'm gonna have to do it off memory here but he told a story about how sean mcdermott hated cam newton so much when he was with the carolina panthers that he basically was trying to make sure that Josh Allen would not be Cam Newton. And where have we seen that evident, Joe? You got this dude. You got this specimen. And you don't want to run him? Yeah. You don't want to run him. Like When we were talking about what you could have done differently down the stretch to win that game, it's not the hero ball that's the problem. It's the fact that on a third down, you wouldn't run him? So these are designed runs. And apparently, again, this is all from the sourcing that Tyler Dunn had come up with with the story, and it's well worth your time. I mean, it's a really incredible read. The anecdotes about how he would, in in the Buffalo Bills meetings, MF Cam Newton well after the fact. And it's like, what while, are we doing while Ken here? Dorsey, who- while Ken Dorsey, who worked with Cam, is the OC, right? <laughs> so it was, it's a very strange dynamic, and I do wonder if you truly want to unlock Josh Allen. It, maybe it's time to move on from Sean McDermott. They have a lot of other things that they got to work through, salary cap and all that stuff. But it's just something to keep in mind. Rex Ryan yesterday who suggested that that's the job Belichick should take. Well, Buffalo? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, geez. He would wreck shop back. It, it, not only would he wreck shop in the AFC again with that roster, he would stick it to the, the Patriots in the worst possible way. That would be fun to watch. I would actually be all about that. Definitely be all about that. When we talk about football, tell about wings. Super Bowl, baby. I mean, it's coming up. You need wings for the Super Bowl, right? I don't know how you function during the playoffs without wings. Right? I don't. So what do you do? Go to wingsover.com. I, I got to be honest. I, I've been on the hot lately. Okay. Not, not just the sweet chili. I've been on the hot because it's not hot, but it is more of like that traditional buffalo flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sometimes I just like them normal wing. You can do that. That's fair. But if you want to get crazy with your flavors, you can do that too. So go to wingsover.com. Big thanks to Mosquito Authority for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, bundle and save. You're looking at all these things that have been broken out. Heck, ESPN is going to be broken out. It's going to cost you $40. And you're thinking, man, I remember back in the day when you could bundle and save. Well, there are people that are still doing it, Joe. Yes. Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Go to bugsbite.com. Protect your house. There's moisture. There's bugs. There's all kinds. There's mice. (laughs) Do what's smart for your number one investment. Go to bugsbite. Dot com. And big thanks to Butcher's Market for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Uh, some people have, uh, they, they heard about the chicken meatballs. They're like, yeah, 
you know, I've seen it in the freezer. It's intrigued. I'm like, get them. The, the chicken meatballs are money. Stick them in the oven for an hour and a half. Pro tip, you just got to stir up the sauce. You know, after I've had them in the oven for a bit, I'll put them in a saucepan just to kind of stir it up a little bit, get the cheese all mixed in, put it over spaghetti. You're good to go. Prepared meals at Butcher's Market are underrated. Yeah, go check out the Butcher's Market. Quick programming note. We will be there February 1. Okay. That's a Thursday. Yes. We'll be there February 1. We'll do the OG Live. The Sleek Fleet OG Live there February 1st. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Report line is Andrew Carter from the News and Observer. Skinny, what up, man? Greetings, gentlemen. It's good to be with you. So I, um, I'm going to need for you to explain like I'm five. I, I seem to ask you that a lot. <laughs> the, the, well, who explains things to me like I'm five? Because I need it too. Well, maybe you have somebody at the, the, the system board of trustees that's explaining to you like you're five. So with the, with the ACC and the constant speculation as to what's going to happen to the conference going forward, what's going to happen with North Carolina and NC State, there has been this constant conversation of, well, how does it work? Could North Carolina leave without NC State, vice versa? Except do they have to be a package deal? And I think the way things have shaken out in places like Texas and in California, I mean, there's not much that the political parties can do if a school wants to go. However, there seems to be or there's going to be a meeting this week where the system is going to come up with some sort of protocol if a school wants to leave the ACC. What what exactly is going on this week? Yeah, you, you pretty much described it well and accurately there. So basically, there's a board of governors uh, meeting this week in Raleigh and uh just to add a layer of, um, yeah, being specific about it, you know, like there's, there's a board of trustees and a board of governors, right? So, so people, people get confused with this stuff and it is confusing. Like if you're just sort of, you know, casually, uh, following this, but universities obviously have their own trustees, uh, who are very, you know, they're in charge of university specific matters, you know, UNC, NC state, et cetera, et cetera, all have a board of trustees, and then there's this higher uh, ruling governing body, if you will, the Board of Governors uh, mm-hmm. over the UNC system. And so the Board of Governors uh, is meeting this week, and they've had this idea uh, or proposal, whatever you might call it, on the agenda for a little while. Like, you know, there was some speculation that they might discuss it uh, even last November, but basically you know, amid all of this speculation about the ACC, about the future of college athletics, uh, about conference affiliation for different schools, if the proposal is approved by the board, which is going to vote on this on Thursday, um, basically a school in the UNC system would have to present to the Board of Governors a financial plan, if you will, of how that school would be affected by any potential conference realignment move. So say for instance, uh, if UNC has, you know, down the road, whenever it might be, you know, an offer from the Big Ten or SEC, UNC would have to go to the Board of Governors and have a financial plan 
of what that move would mean for UNC. And then, uh, you know, the board, if this measure is approved this week, would have the authority uh, to basically vote on that, uh, you know, and, and maybe veto it, send it back to the school, get clarification. It would make things more complicated uh, for any school trying to move into a different conference. It adds sort of a layer uh, of bureaucracy. You know, you did mention that other states um, have kind of tried to do this a little bit, but I'm not sure. And I'm trying to research this myself. I'm not sure any state has tried to get in front of a potential realignment move the way North Carolina is doing right now, because California, that was reactive. What happened in Arizona, that was reactive. Yeah, the the history here, you know, quick context is we, we still think it's what, 2002 or 2003 when the ACC expanded and Virginia politics got involved. And that's how Virginia Tech wound up in the ACC. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are not leaving the Hokies behind in this decimated Big East. And that's how the Hokies are now a proud ACC member. When Texas A&M was going to leave for the SEC, there was this big like, well, how is the state of Texas going to allow these? Again, didn't matter. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, how? But didn't matter. And then, yes, it eventually got to the dissolution of the Pac-12 and these California schools where Gavin Newsom, the governor, was like, well, I don't know about this. Well, it's too late, buddy. So what are they? This is another thing, too, that I don't think people understand. And even I have a hard time comprehending it. Maybe you have a better handle on this. I don't think people realize how political the school system board of trustees is. Oh, it is. It is. And, you know, that could be a whole separate segment. And that's, yeah. like that, you know, that's a big part of why UNC is looking for a permanent chancellor. Right. You, know, you saw Kevin Guskowitz uh, leave recently. His final day at UNC was earlier this month. Went up to Michigan State. I think politics um, and, you know, a lot of that stuff played into why Carol Fult left years ago. The controversy over uh, Silent Sam, that became a, a political lightning rod issue. Some other things. I mean, let's be real here. Like UNC, as an institution, Chapel Hill as a town, that area has always had the reputation of being very liberal. Mm-hmm. Like a, you know, a Berkeley light, if you will, of North Carolina. And you look at who's in charge politically in this state at the moment. Uh, you know, who controls the House and the Senate. Uh, you know, we have a Democratic governor, but that really doesn't matter a lot in these conversations when it comes to actual implementation of policy, when it comes to some of the pressure, um, you know, that chancellors find themselves under. And so there is some political... The governor, the governor can tweet, though. We know that. He, he can and he has and did last night, as everyone saw. Um, um, but no, it, it, it is a messy political situation and that stuff plays into it. Like it, it, a hundred percent does. Well, let's, uh, let's sports this conversation up a little bit. <laughs> is this a power play by NC state and the board of governors to make sure they're not left behind or is I, which I can't possibly believe. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think it's fair to speculate on that. I think it's fair to wonder. I think if you look at the makeup of the board of governors or some folks in in high positions who are state alums. Okay. Randy Ramsey is the chair. Okay. Um, Who is who is Randy Ramsey? 
He's an NC State guy. I mean, okay. he's, I mean, he's I say, most people don't know who any of these people are. That's what I'm saying. Well, what I'm saying is that w- I would just assume. Yeah. It, po- to Andrew's point, I would assume politics in this state are from Carolina, UNC. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make any sense because we would think our generalization of UNC politics is left and our generalization of state politics is right. Mm hmm. And well, yeah. this, this governing body itself is probably well, more towards the right. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of these folks have been appointed by a Republican-led legislature. Okay. Which, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't make any sense for me for it to be some sort of UNC cabal. No. Is what I'm getting no, at. It doesn't, no, I'm with you on this. Okay. I, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm totally on board with okay. you on this in that, like, doomsday scenario, worst-case scenario, this becomes this sort of, like, like this really bad circular moment where, okay, everybody approves you, hypothetically speaking, UNC is going to leave for the Big Ten. Everybody's on board with it, except that when they go to the governing body, they say no, because NC State's going to get screwed. We veto this. And then now you're back to the to the drawing board. And when bids are going out, I mean, it's entirely possible that, you know, schools end up getting screwed in, in all over the place because of a a gridlock that could occur at this level. Am I, am I off base with that, Andrew? No. Okay. (laughs) I I think, I think that's, I think that's potentially even a likely scenario. I mean, I I think what this does this week, assuming it passes, which it will, um, you know, I I think it does add to the likelihood of, of NC state and UNC kind of being tied together. Mm. Mm. At some point, I I do think, and I don't know if, you know, if you want to call it a scheme or a ploy on behalf of state, I don't know if I would do that. I do think there's very powerful political folks in North Carolina who believe that it's better for the state to have the ACC remain intact, that, that people care about this, that it's an important issue that they should be involved in. That it would be bad for North Carolina if you had UNC uh, and NC State in separate conferences. And I think there's an argument that, that that's true. Andrew Carter, News and Observer. We appreciate the time, man. It'll be interesting to see what happens on Thursday. We'll have to revisit this conversation next week. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. You want to say it? Let's get out of here. On some Hey Joe questions, Hey Joe is brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. It's Tuesday, not open today. They will be open tomorrow, Wednesday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. You can have lunch there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Go check them out right there on Person Street across from the Krispy Kreme or order online, oakwoodpizzabox.com. Hey, Joe, it's really simple. We're just going to go through the quote tweets. Let, let's hit the, let's hit right. this. So let's we, play the hits here. Clearly, clearly we started with Roy Cooper at the <laughs> beginning of the show. This aged well with your Wake Forest roster over UNC's roster. Yep. Uh, got my guy, Blewis Deuce. Good, uh, good UNC follow. This poor take aside, the other thing said last night that left me scratching my head was when Seth Greenberg said Wake's starting five was as good as any starting five in the country based on what metric. Now, Seth Greenberg did say... Uh, offense, offense, scoring, offense, yes. offense. Theo Pinson chiming in. Oh man, you sound uh oh okay. Doc Kennedy, another UNC guy, has been around here for a long time. Which was colder, Wake's second half shooting or this take from Gilio? Narrator R.J. Davis did in fact significantly outplay both Boopy Miller and Hunter Salas tonight. Since Joe clipped it, 
should have plenty of content for tomorrow. Yeah, no, we've had plenty Perfect. of content. Plenty of content. So yeah, a lot of people just pointing these things out. Um, oh, somebody put a little cat Williams on top of Jillio there. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I gotta I gotta play the audit. Hold on a second. What is cat Williams saying? You having an unnatural allegiance to losers does not like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. From Mikey, bad beat for Julio tonight. No, I did not bet on that game. <laughs> and I did not say Wake Forest would win the basketball game. From my guy, Paul, which take will Julio back off first? This or the Chiefs were getting <laughs> trading time to kill? Never the Chiefs. <laughs> Never. Julio <laughs> woke up and chose Deacon Violence. Anyway, so this keeps going. Oh, a little Sam I Am reference oh, from Gary? Sweet. Sam, I am. Did anybody want to? Of course, great day. Sorry, this got this got picked up. It's fine. Generational performance by Julio to be so wrong on so many different points. And like underdog Tar Heels. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. There was a ton of retweets and responses to that. It's fine, y'all. It's sports. We have opinions. They play the game. We talk about it and we keep it moving. Maybe just for every before every game, I'm just going to say RG Davis is going to score his career high tonight. I'll just go full British Tar Heel and say, oh, they're going to win every game, and and RJ Davis is going to score his career high every game because that that's what's going to happen. No, you got to make 100 sure and, 120 games. Make sure you make make sure you have your cup of tea when you do that. It's going to wrap it up for today's show. We will see you Wednesday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.